Good morning. If you have your Bible and like to stand with me, I'm going to be reading the text this morning from Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter, Ananias, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and kept back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained in thine hand, thine own, and after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou come, why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart, thou hast not laid lied unto man, but unto God? And Ananias, hearing this world, words, fell down, and gave up the ghost, and great fear came on all of them that heard these things. <clears throat> and the young man arose and oh, wound him up and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thine husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Then she fell down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young man came in, found her, and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And a great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord on, in Solomon's porch." Remain standing, please. We're going to do also our, our uh, declaration. Are you ready for that? Maybe they'll put it up for us. Here we go. Lord, today by faith, we declare that we're walking in the manifestation season. As your faithful remnant, we will house your very presence. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and he has delivered us from all of our troubles and fears. We are no longer victims, but we are victors in Christ. We will not be deceived by the lies of the enemy, but we will give health, healing, and wholeness to the hopeless and those in despair. We will live under your anointing and see the revealed purpose of Christ in each of our lives. We declare your everlasting word on earth as it is in heaven. Now would you give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated this morning. May the Lord add his blessing to the word of God. Again, this morning, I want you to look at somebody and say, hey, you have to love your pastor. Amen. We're getting into some heavy word here today. And you got to love me. You got to like me. And I love you. And I like you. And uh, we're going to get along. But we're going to give a heavy word this morning. When you begin to read the story that we just read, it can make you fear and tremble just by reading it, can't it? Amen. But this morning I want to attempt to reveal the first spirit that is out to take control and mislead you and take root in your life to void out any presence of God whatsoever. Last week I revealed the dream that the Lord had given me concerning the last day competitive voices that's working against the voice of God to keep the Holy Spirit from manifesting and revealing his will within your life. If there's one thing that I want you to know that there are competitive voices out there that's trying to keep the presence of God from being manifested within your life. These competitive voices was in the form of seven women in the dream, if you can remember if you was here last week. The first competitive influence that we're going to uncover today is one that remains mostly undetected due to it appearing normal or unseen. The normacy of this woman is used as a smokescreen to hide the spiritual seduction that eats away at the core of man's heart. In the dream, the, the thing that was so captivating about this woman, this first woman, was not her figure or her looks, but even though that she was a very pretty, very attractive lady. But what was so charming about her, as you can remember, was her smile. Her smile 
smile was charming, it was warm, and it was inviting, and it was very enticing. And even though she was not appealing necessarily to man sexually, yet she was appealing to one's affections. This represents that one is attracted to what she had to offer more than the ways that she looked. So we got to pay attention. What is this woman offering us today? Remember in the dream that the world-renowned preacher that I had a dream of had a gentle feeling of fondness and liking for this lady. He was captivated by her. He staggered by her charm and by her, the way that she appealed to him. Her smile was so captivating that it was as if she was pulling this guy into her by making him feel warm and by making him feel accepted. How many of you want to feel accepted in this building? I think that's human nature, is it not? How many want to feel secure and warm and, and, and accepted by people? I think all of us do. But this is where our text comes in. In our text, we see a woman by the name of Sapphira. We really don't pay attention to Sapphira. We don't really study her because we don't think there's that much to study about. But her name means beautiful as a jewel, a, 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 a sapphire, and pleasant. Her beauty was attractive, but it was her pleasantness that was appealing within this dream. Here we see pleasant beauty. Can you imagine that? Pleasant. How many of you women would like to have that kind of uh, a title or that kind of fame that somebody come around and say, oh, there's pleasant beauty. Amen. Well, this is what Sapphira had. Here we see that she had pleasant beauty. Wow, that's a strong description given of a woman when you begin to define the meaning of her name. The word pleasant means given a sense of happy satisfaction or enjoyment. A friendly and considerate person likable. This woman was not provocative or seducing in a sexual way, but she was pleasant, she was likable, and she it was enjoyable to be around. I like to be around people like that. I like to be around people that's enjoyable, charming. I like to be around pretty people. Amen. And that's the kind of person that she was. Now remember that the description of this woman has nothing to do with a man and a woman, but more with a spirit and a soul. This woman represents a spirit that is coming against the believer, the body of Christ. This woman represents a spirit that, that is after both male and female. This series is not just about to men or two men, but it's to the body of Christ and it's also to every single woman in this building today. God gave this dream as a metaphor to show us just as a woman can seduce a man and just as a man can be tempted and enticed by a woman, even so, we both male and female can be seduced and tempted and enticed by the spirit that is coming against the church in the last days. Don't ever think that you are above failing. Paul said, take heed when you think you stand, lest you fall. And now, you know, the enemy is so powerful that Gabriel, the, uh, uh, the, that the Gabriel angel would not even give him a railing accusation against him. We both, male and female, can be trapped if we're not careful. As a matter of fact, I had discernment that this first lady, or this that represents the spirit, appeals and tempts more to women than men, even though men are tempted by her. Let's uncover the spirit behind this woman by the name of Sapphira. Let's first of all get an understanding of what was taking place right at the time of our text. The first century church was exhibiting a high level of generosity. The Spirit of God was doing a phenomenal thing among this church. New converts by the hundreds had pulled their resources together and shared them for the common good of others and for the church. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 44 and verse 45, it says all believers were together, had all things common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. The Bible just literally says here that the people went around selling of their possessions and giving it to the church to distribute for the needy of society. They go out and sell this possession then bring the money to them and say, now give that to the poor wherever you see fit to give it to. Now this was fueled and sparked by a man by the name of Barnabas who gave an extremely extravagant gift to the church for the furthering of the gospel 
gospel and for the needs of the people in the previous chapter of our text. Barnabas showed no restraint within his giving. And it must have been a very costly and sacrificial gift the way that the people had actually responded. You can tell that it was a phenomenal thing. They were so impressed by it, according to the word of the Lord, that even though that the church had already begun to sell possessions and give to the church, there was something so special about Barnabas' gift, it must have been way over the top. That the people were so impressed by Barnabas that it motivated up to thousands of people to do the same thing that, uh, that Barnabas done. Look what Acts chapter 4 verse 36 and 37 says. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, sowed a field he owned and brought the money and he laid it down at the apostles' feet. Now the name Barnabas means the son of encouragement. Here by example, we see Barnabas encourage people to give to the church for the common goal of reaching and ministering the lost of humanity and helping the believers who were in need. The people caught hold of the vision of Barnabas and they begin to go out and they begin to do some extravagant giving themselves. Prior to Barnabas doing this, oh, they were given a, selling a golf club here, selling a fishing pole here, selling little items of that nature, bringing it in, giving it to the church. But after what Barnabas done, it motivated him to do something extraordinary. They begin to sell businesses and possessions that they had that was of great value and they brought it and gave it to the ministry. But here in our text, we see that Sapphira, along with her husband, had a scheme. They both agreed together privately to sell a certain possession and give it as a give part of it to the church and 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 lay it at the apostles' feet. They, but when they come publicly to lay it down at the apostles' feet, they would tell them that they gave all of the money and not just a part. In other words, they lied about how much that they gave. Now, what is so odd here is what they done was not even required at all. That's what's so crazy. They could have given all or a part or none of the money, and everything would have been okay. But listen to what Peter said to Ananias, which was Sapphira's husband, as he comes in and presents his part uh, uh, publicly to the apostles. He says in verse 3, But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thy heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart that thou hast lied not unto man but unto, the, unto God? And Ananias, hearing the words, fell down, gave up the ghost, and great fear came upon the, all of them that heard these things. Now Peter could not understand why he lied because it was, his, it was in his own power to give a little, to give a lot, or not to give it all. It was his possessions. He could have done with it what he wanted to do with it, when he wanted to do with it, but this man did not have to be deceitful. He did not have to lie. Then we see three hours later that Sapphira comes, and she does not know her husband's dead. She does not know what has happened, and she comes in, and Peter asks her a question in verse 8. Sapphira, did you sell the land for so much? And she said, yes, we did. Let's look at the scheme and, and dissect it and undercover, and, under, and undercover what it means and what all of this is and what is behind it all. This spirit will be revealed in the scheme that Ananias and Sapphira had plotted. First of all, we know a few things about Sapphira. Sapphira was a family person. She had a husband. We also know that she was not a woman that had usurped authority over her husband or despised the husband's leadership. Matter of fact, she was not a part of that feminist group that despises the role of masculinity. She actually converses with her husband. She communicates with him. She works together with him by developing a strategy and plan together. She also is a career later, late lady. She sells real estate. She brought her portion as well. Not only did Ananias bring a portion, but Sapphira brought a portion as well. And she owns businesses along with her husband. She is also a prestigious woman in the community. She is a respected citizen, and people have admiration for her, and she has a high status in society. She's involved and known 
in the public arena. Matter of fact, we know this because her and Ananias, according to the Word of God and history, were regular supporters and attenders of the early day church. And this is what made the offense so bad in the first place because the death of Ananias and Sapphira was a blow to the very kingdom of God. Here we see God dealing with the sin of church members' deceit and their lack of integrity. Their exposure was shocking to the whole region. It literally rattled the early day church. In appearance, Ananias and Sapphira was good to their family. They were living out, out unity with the believers. They were attending church services. They were respectful. They were successful. They were business people. They were participating and taking part in the common unity of the believers. They brought and placed money at the apostles' feet, helping in benevolent causes and giving to the needy. Sounds like a wonderful family, does it? However, their insincerity was exposed and their case is a remarkable instance of the nature of hypocrisy. Their hypocrisy was revealed in their attempt to imitate the people of God and to use the appearance of religion for personal gain. Now listen to that. They appealed to, they appeared to be a people of great benevolence and self-denial. They wanted to imitate an appearance of the early Christians and use it to create an image for themselves. Their sin of hypocrisy was they put on a false pretense and they displayed a zeal that seemed to shine for the best interests of the church, but in reality, it was for themselves. It appears that Ananias and Sapphira wanted the acceptance and the fame that Barnabas received in his act of faith in the presentation of his gift without presenting it as he did in a sacrificial way. They wanted image without commitment. Are you with me? They wanted fame and blessing without commitment. And can I stop right there and say there is no such thing. That is, this is the main spirit of this age. People wanting fame, popularity, success, and image without paying a price to earn it. Amen? So they put on a facade. They fake it. They try to take shortcuts. One thing that is noteworthy, and that is Sapphira was seduced by the very spirit that she actually represents. Isn't that amazing? Matter of fact, remember how that, remember how that it was her name that was so seductive. Her smile, I mean, that was so deceptive in the meaning of her name. And she was not provocative necessary in her look, but there was something about this lady you just wanted to be with. She was warm and accepting, affirming and pleasant. She was charming and enjoyable, likable and desirable. And this was the trap. This is the snare. This is the seduction. Let me tell you, everything that feels good is not always good. Everything that appears good is not always good for your life. Here she is portraying a good family person, a business lady, a respectful citizen, a religious person. While Sapphira walked into a room, people would say this, oh, there goes one fine lady. There goes a respected lady. That is a fine family, her and Ananias. And there's nothing wrong with these kinds of traits of wanting to be, have a good name and have a, be a good citizen and to be respected and to be honored. But her problem existed in the fact that the image was what she wanted to portray and it became her religion. Can I have an amen? She is consumed about image. She craves attention. She must have affirmation and acceptance in the eyes of people. Her works become all about herself and not about the kingdom of God. Her service is not out of commitment, but out of personal prestige and gain. She's not hesitant to pay taxes to the Roman government for the money that she makes, but she is hesitant to comply paying a full tithe and offering to fund the kingdom of God. Ananias and Sapphira's deceit, of course, occurs in the realm of money as well. Sapphira shows not simply a lack of honesty in bringing only a part of the sacrifice, but also a lack of integrity bringing only a part and not a whole and then lying about it. 
This shows the true attitude of her heart and the true motive. And let me tell you, Ananias and Sapphira not only dishonored and shamed themselves as one who gives to the poor and the needy, but they also revealed themselves to be outsiders or non-kin with the believers and the people of God. Though they pretended to be like-minded and have all things common with the believer, yet their faith act of generosity is depicted as falsifying the work of the Holy Spirit. They were hypocrites. Can I have an amen? Their deceit demonstrated that they are functioning as members of the Roman patronage system while pretending to have become members of the kingdom of God, which is love of thy neighbor system more than the love of money and the love of self. She lied in order to achieve honor that she had not earned. Her goal was to gain social acceptance. Her religion became secular humanist in viewpoint. She wasn't doing things out in left field. She wasn't caught up in idolatry. She wasn't caught up in harlotry. She wasn't killing, murdering, or involved in witchcraft. She wasn't paganistic within her worship, but she was caught up in a humanistic viewpoint that was wrapped all around image and acceptance. Being a family person, a business person, a religious person was the content of her being a Christian. It was all about her image. This is what makes me a Christian doing these works. Her religion was self-designed and is centered on herself instead of others around them. She wanted the image of being a Christian without the full commitment of being one. She wanted the favor of sacrifice without making a sacrifice. You know people like that? Remember in the dream that this preacher had stopped by what? A convenience store. And it was there at the place of convenience that these spirits were at. And he was forbidden to stay there and he was demanded to go to that, that water bottle store on top of the hill. Can I tell you the two worst enemies of the church is convenience and compromise. Can I have an amen? It's in the arena of convenience is where these spirits dwell. Can I have an amen? She wanted the honor for giving the whole gift without giving it all. She wanted the reward of the blessings of the full portion without giving a full portion. She wanted the blessings and the respect of the church and society by taking shortcuts. She wanted the blessings of the kingdom without making a full allegiance to the kingdom of God. Have you don't know people like that? She wanted to be viewed as superior, find acceptance among society, church and family by false pretense. Sapphire was a social individual, but she was not spiritual. And this is the problem of the modern day church. We have become a social religion instead of being entities of God's spirit and being spiritual. God help us here. This is the age that we're living in. We're wanting social acceptance above God's acceptance. There's a difference in doing religious stuff and being spiritual, folks. Are you with me? There's more than just coming in and going to church and putting on a facade and sitting down on a pew and say, Preacher, feed me, feed me, feed me, getting up and walking out, wanting the blessings of God, wanting the benefits of the kingdom, wanting healing and miracles and prayers and all of that kind of stuff, but never contributing anything to the kingdom of God because everything that you do inside the church is all about yourself. Help us, Lord. It is the spirit of our age. She wanted the respect of society at the expense of cutting the spiritual short. The money for retirement, the nest egg, the 401k was more important than paying a full investment into the kingdom of God. But she wanted the blessings of the full investment by putting on a false pretense. She could have had a 30% uh, 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 return if she would have only played a 30% investment. She could have said, I'm not giving it all, I'm giving 30%. And guess what? Her 30% investment would have brought a 30% return. How many knows that? How many knows whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap? You sow a little, you're going to reap a little. If you sow a lot, you're going to reap a lot. She could have gave a 60% investment and said, hey, I can expect a 60% return. But no, she sows a little but expects a full portion of blessing. That's kind of like a lot of people in the church. They come in and they want to give a little to the kingdom of God, but yet they want to take advantage of the full benefits of belonging to the kingdom of God. 
Come on. Never really contributing, but they're takers. Matter of fact, in the book of Proverbs, they call them horse leeches. They're on the vine just sucking, sucking, sucking from the church, but never contributing anything back to the kingdom of God. They have developed themselves into a part of a person that wants the image of the church for self-gain in order to make themselves feel better and look better in the eyes of society. Oh, Lord, help us. She was committed to the common cause of the secular without being committed to the common cause of the spiritual. Putting more emphasis on living in the now, relating to society, than putting her emphasis on the eternal and the spiritual. Not understanding the spiritual realm at all. And let me tell you, folks, if you're a Christian, you've got to live by the Spirit or you're going to die. You've got to walk in the Spirit so you won't fulfill the lust of your flesh. And matter of fact, them who are the sons of God, they are the sons who walk in the Spirit of God. Can I have an amen? Living in earthly principles of gaining, getting, and giving was what she was all about. While avoiding the full commitment of the spiritual principles such as to get, you got to give. To be first, you got to be last. To increase, you got to decrease. To live, you got to die. She knew nothing about take up your cross, deny yourself, come and follow me. She did not want to make a full commitment to the kingdom of God, but she expected the full benefits of the kingdom of God. There are people that all the time, they come to church and that's about all they do. It's all about church. They never work a nursery. They never drive a bus. They never do any janitorial work. They never preach. They never teach. They never put any time into people's lives. They just come to church. They're church comers. They're church goers. But yet when it comes to them in need, they want the church's prayers. They want the church's covering. They want the church's anointing. They want the church's favor. They want the visitations. They want the counseling. They want the intercessory. They want it all but yet they themselves do not want to be spiritual. She was committed to the common cause of self while portraying what she was doing was for the kingdom of God. She was using the kingdom for a front, for her own personal advantage. She had no commitment. She made no sacrifice. And what she did give, she done for self-glory, which voids out any blessing at all. Now, I want to tell you, if you're doing anything for self-glory, you're not going to get blessed because no flesh shall glory in his presence. Amen. It's all for him and him alone. You know how many politicians have wanted to get close to me during an election year? You'd be surprised how many politicians right before an election takes me out to eat. I take them up on it, buddy. I get a free steak. Amen. They'll rub up and tell what kind of a church we have and how they admire us and they'll blow my head up and they'll, oh, I got this, I got this, and they'll shake my hands and all of that. Do you know how many people or how many politicians all of a sudden make the palace their home church right before an election? Amen? And as soon as they see as a pastor, I won't give them a platform, guess what? They're gone within a couple weeks because they done found another church. Because all they wanted was the fame that came with being at the church, getting the votes. Amen? There was one man who moved into our town. He came to our church twice. He went around throwing out my name to everybody, and everybody was calling me, and they call, throwing our church's name out, and he was doing it for his own personal advantage and his own personal agenda. And he, he was being made fun of, really, because he was telling everybody how big a buddies me and him were, and how we were great friends and all this. And I only met him twice. It was all about personal advantage. Do you know how many business people go around across America, all over the United States, looking for successful churches? You know why? It's not for the spirit reasons. It's for new clientele. That's a good business decision. If There's nothing wrong with going to a church and having people to become your client, but if that's the only reason you're going to church, you're going to church for the wrong reason. Can I have an Amen. We're seeing this in America. Do you remember the meaning of Sapphire's name? Beautiful, pleasant, giving, a sense of happy satisfaction or enjoyment, a friendly and considerate person, likable. She had an outward image of being a Christian, but inwardly she was all about herself. Do you know how many Christians want to be a Christian, but they neglect the spiritual disciplines that define a Christian life? Many Christians are drawn to Sapphira. Her smile, which represents acceptance, it captivates people. There's so many people caught up in themselves and they hunger and they thirst and they crave acceptance. Now listen to me. 
People are more interested in acceptance than they are truth. They're more addicted to, a, to a, a acceptance than they are the presence of God. They don't care what Sapphira has to offer them as long as they feel warm and accepted. We're living, folks, in a narcissist society. A narcissist is a person who has an excessive interest or admiration of themselves. Isn't it what Paul said would happen in the last days? He prophesied this spirit to come in 2 Timothy 3.2 when he said, For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, lovers of pleasure more than the lovers of God. He said that one of uh, the prominent spirits of the last days would cause people to be lovers of themselves. And notice that he also said they would be lovers of money. The sin that Sapphira did involved money. And what did Jesus say in Matthew 6, 24? No man can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other. He'll despise the one and cling to the other. You cannot serve God and money. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Timothy 6 and 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which some coveted after. They erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Here's Ananias and Sapphira. And they're looking at it and they're saying, look, let's say that we get all, we want that image. We got to have that acceptance. We want to be known as good people. Let's lie about it though, because we need the nest egg. In other words, they couldn't trust God for the, what God would do for their lives. They couldn't trust the kingdom investment, but they lied in order to put a false pretense to keep acceptance and to keep an image. Esau, you know what he done? He traded his birthright for what? A measly bowl of soup. He lost out. Sapphire was judged according to her stewardship. And there's a lot of people that do the same thing in the house of God. I'm not trying to be mean here, but this is what Sapphire and them done. There's a lot of people that go on vacations. They buy cars. They get gifts for their children. They pay taxes. They take trips. They do go on events, all on tithe money. They'll come in and pay a part to the church, proclaiming to be Christians, but they'll hold back part of the tithe and they'll end up robbing God and becoming cursed. Happens all the time, all throughout America. And people say, that's no real big deal. It is a big deal. It's a sapphire spirit. Amen? Not understanding the importance and the truth of spiritual principles. Amen? If you believe the word of God, you'll live out the word of God. Can I have an amen? We're living in a time when people are stuck on themselves more than forever. The other day, I heard a term. You probably heard it many, many times. It was selfies. Anybody hear that term? Raise your hand if you heard that term. All right, I'm going to tell my age a little bit. I didn't know what it meant. Does anybody else know what it means? I, I didn't know. There's a billboard on the east side, and I'd come into town for the last couple years and it talks about selfies. And I say, who in the world would put up an advertisement in their right mind and when you read it, you don't even have an idea what they're advertising? That's crazy. Spending money for something. That don't make sense. Seen it yesterday. I was going to look for it this morning and forgot. But it was about selfies. Well, I don't know what a selfie was. And I finally found out what a selfie is. You know what a selfie is? That's a selfie. I was wanting to put it on the big screen, but you couldn't have handled it. The beauty, the splendor, the magnificence. Oh, you couldn't have handled it. But that's what a selfie is. But you know what the sad part of it is? I was listening the other day to Joyce Myers, and she said that she looked it up, and there are 450 million downloads of selfies every day online. Really? When does people work? Amen? 450 selfies downloaded online every single day. Now, there's nothing wrong with taking a picture of yourself, but I want to tell you, if you're caught up in it, you're vain. You know, when I, if I ever see a picture of myself, ugh, that's ugly, man. You know, people are caught up on themselves. They take pictures, then they download them on Facebook, Twitter, or wherever. I don't know where all they go. 
and they're projecting themselves. Hello? But the reason there is 450 million downloads a day is because there are people that are trying to be socially accepted. The spirit of sapphire is taking over our land. It's taking over our churches. A big part of why the people post selfies online, they're fishing for compliments. They're looking for it. You know, they post it, and then all of a sudden, here comes these compliments. Oh, you look great. Oh, you look awesome. Oh, you look cute. Oh, you, and there's more line that goes on on the, on the internet than ever before. <laughs> Amen? Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's great. Makes you feel good. So, the more you post and the more of those you get, buddy. You know, you look for those thumbs up. You get them every once in a while. I just now found out how to send them. <laughs> thumbs up. Amen? Are them likes. Oh, 100 people like that. People are hooked on it. Come on. I wish people would spend the amount of time that they spend online in the Word of God and in spiritual disciplines and in self-denial. But we're promoting ourselves. They'll have 100 likes on something regardless if it's scripturally, uh, scripturally accepted or not. You know, they'll be sitting there with their date who has not their husband and someone will say, oh, he's so cute. Come on, give me a break. You've bought into social religion. Hello? Be sitting in a bar as a Christian having your little hottie. Oh, that's wonderful. No, it's not. Come on, somebody help me preach here. Woo, I feel it getting hard in this place right now. So the next day, they get these likes, these thumbs up, all these compliments, so they post more, and it becomes a vicious cycle, and they become addicted. The more they post, the more they become hooked on the smile of Sapphira, her warmth, her pleasantness, her affirmation, her acceptance, and they're feeding your ego, and you're trying to build your self-esteem up by those kinds of things instead of finding out who you are in Christ Jesus. I don't have to build up my self-esteem. I am worthless. I am nothing. There's no good inside of me. But I'll tell you, if you look real close, there's somebody inside of me that makes the difference. His name is Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. My righteousness is filthy as rags, but I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Can I have an amen? They crave affirmation acceptance over the attitude of heart. People that get online and compliment the different things like adultery and drunkenness and lewdness and different things that people do, and they compliment it. Come on, guys. We've got to be better Christians than this. Amen? Sapphire wanted the image of giving a full amount, but she pocketed a part so that she could have it for herself. Folks, can I tell you, this is the hard word right here this morning, but there's no such thing as a partial Christian. I'm sorry. There's no such thing as being a Christian that doesn't give their all to Jesus Christ. It's all or nothing. Unless a man dies out to himself, he cannot be Jesus' disciple. To find life, you have to lose it. But if you'll lose your life for Christ's sake, you'll find it. That's why Jesus said in John 12, 24, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. Sapphira was drinking from a well of illusion just like that little Samaritan woman was that we preached about of Jacob's well. She was trying to find fulfillment and security in social religion, acceptance, warmth of people. She looked religious. She'd done religious stuff. She looked the part. She had the image. People liked her. She was popular. She was somewhat, had a good name. She kept a certain standard of good morals. Remember, she was likable, pleasant, and inviting. Unlike other women in the Bible, I want to tell you, she was not involved in witchcraft, idolatry, harlotry, human sacrifices. Yet, guess what? Sapphira was killed by God. What she done merited death. I won't pay attention to that. You hear people doing this social stuff. Well, I'm a good person. I, I keep a certain amount of morals. I'm not bad. I, I'm not caught up in all this other stuff that everybody's caught up in. It doesn't matter. It's either a full pledge and commitment to Jesus Christ or it's nothing. Amen? Her if her actions produce death. People, we have to understand how devastating it is to be committed to a secular side of life more than our spiritual life. 
It's, it, it's necessary to understand the importance. In the dream, I seen the word social life over this first lady who happened to be Safara. A new study just came out the other day that said more people are interested in social acceptance than they are biblical acceptance. Isn't that sad? They say that more now than ever before that there is a rise in society that is faith intolerant. Everybody knows that? How many understand? Have me seen that even on the news? The intolerance of people of faith. But the sad part of it is there is a fast growing number of church members that is becoming intolerant to faith views that goes against social acceptance as well. They call us bigots. They call us legalistic. They call us uh, uh, traditionalists. They call us all kinds of things. But let me tell you something, folks. You cannot bow to the social life and expect to have the blessings of God on your life. Amen. You can't cave into the culture. This church is selling out to Sapphira. We now have social drinking, casual sex, social neutral gender identification in the church. You can be a male or female. It's up to you. We now have what we call co-labor or co-gender lunches where bosses go out with their secretaries and you got women going out with men for lunch that's not their husbands and men going out with their women that's not their wives and it's all socially accepted and you try to correct it. Oh, they get mad as well. No one's going to tell me what to do. Socially accepted. We're just friends. We're a team around here. We're a family around here. I want to tell you, it's unbiblical, it's unscriptural, and it leads to things that is unprofitable that will destroy you. I'm pastoring here this morning. Amen. I'm going to be honest with you. My wife starts going out with a bunch of guys to lunch. Me and her's going to have some serious problems. And you better pray I play sanctified. Some guy might get his nose broke. Amen. Everybody's laughing about it, but it's a common accepted thing nowadays among Christians. It's a word of warning to somebody. We have to be spiritual and quit being conformed due to social pressures. We have to understand that those that adapt to social standard, that it will be the gateway to accepting all of these other spirits. Do you not understand Sephora is the gateway that leads to the other spirit seductions? You don't just start going out and committing adultery and having abortions and getting drunk and bashed at a, a nightclub overnight. That don't happen overnight. It's a slow, seductive process where you buy into Sephora first. She's the gateway. Seems harmless. Don't seem like a big deal. The outward look of Sapphira looked innocent, unharmful, but look what it brought, death. God killed her. And after one buys into the less obvious, those things that don't appear to be evil or unholy or important, they may, but they can very well be inconvenient. It's then the seduction will grow until you get overcome by what we call demonic perversion. You will soon return you'll soon turn aside from your course and you will be distorted or corrupted from what you first intended. In other words, the abnormal will become the normal in your life. You'll become brainwashed and you'll become politically and socially correct in your thinking. And then you know what that does? It drives out the presence of God from your life. We, want, we talk about the manifestation seasons that's coming upon the church. How many believes that God's fixing to manifest himself? Right now in St. Louis, Missouri, over on the east side, there was a pastor who has lost, I forget, two or three church services because of ice and snow. And he said, we got to do something. And he said, we're going to push back against the forces of darkness. And on a Friday night or Saturday night, whenever it was, he just said, it's clear tonight we'll have church. And the place packed out. And the Holy Ghost fell. And a revival started. People are getting up out of wheelchairs People are seeing the demonstration of the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Souls are being saved by the hundreds and things are happening just within a three-week process of a people saying, we're going to push back the forces of darkness and we're going to see the manifestation of the Holy Spirit and it's happening. How many's ready for that at the Palace of Praise? Amen? Now this is the most important thing, then I'm going to close. Notice in our text that it wasn't until the removal of Sapphira that God's spirit was able to be manifested. The Bible says in verse 10, then fell she down straightway at his feet. She yielded up the ghost, she died, and the young men came in, found her dead, carrying her forth, buried her with her husband. Look at the next two verses. 
And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. Look at verse 12. And then by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people and they were all in one accord in Solomon's porch. Until we get Sapphira out of the church, we'll never see the manifestations of signs and wonders and miracles. As long as there are people that are self-absorbed, uncommitted to the common purpose and the plan of the kingdom of God, as long as there are people just living under themselves, putting on a front like Sapphira, never making sacrifice, never making a commitment, we'll never see the glory of God on display in our lives. We will never see the felt, tangible, visible presence of the Lord. As a whole, Sapphira fits the descriptions of congregations all over this, all over this country. Warm, inviting, pleasant, charming. But the problem is they're not spiritual. The void of the presence of God. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. There are churches all across America that's full of business people, family-oriented people, career people. They have an image like Sapphira. There goes some fine people. They're pleasant. They're warm. They're likable. But the problem is they're not spiritual. Amen. And this is why in many places across America, there is no move of God. There is no manifestation of the Spirit because we're not going to church anymore longer to meet with God. We're going to make it a social event. It's just the thing that we do. It's the image that we got to have in order to be a better citizen out in public. Can I have an amen? Oh, Lord, help us here this morning. We've adapted ourselves into a social religion instead of having a right relationship with God. We've heard about God, but we really have not come to know him. We're driven nowadays more by physical appearance than we are supernatural and spiritual, uh, spiritual occurrence. We have come to believe ultimately that we are going, if we're going to reach our destiny, we've got to take, we got to take it on the, the reins of ourselves. We have erred from the faith as, as we reveal the actions that we are doing in our lives. We have come to re- reveal that we really are not trusting in God for our lives. Would you stand with me, please? Palace of praise. If we want the manifestation season of the Holy Spirit, we got to bury Sapphira. If we want God to be poured out on our homes, you want the full benefit of God's blessing? You gotta kill Sapphira. Amen. There's gotta be a dying out in this old vessel. It's so easy to just get caught up in the social arena of life, doing what's popular, going through the same system. And when you really analyze your life, there's so much more that we're putting ahead of the kingdom of God than we are. Uh, then we, we're putting so much in the natural ahead of the spiritual and we're putting so much ahead of the kingdom of God. You know, there are people that play video games more, come on, than they have spiritual disciplines. People watch television more, read newspapers, read books more than they do spending time in the presence of God. And we wonder, where's the manifestations of God at? Amen? The early church knew about commitment and knew about sacrifice. And knew about dying out to self and killing Sapphira. Sapphira is all about self. The selfies of the world. I need the flattery. I need the affirmation. I need the attention. No. You need relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. With every eye closed and every head bowed this morning. I know it's a hard word. I know I kind of went slow and done a little teaching type preaching this morning. But I want to tell you. I believe with all of my heart that God wants us to be driven more by the kingdom system than driven by the earthly system in our lives. We have to bury Sapphira. There's no place for ritualistic religion. We have to have a relationship with the Lord. Those of you this morning that are struggling in in your life, it's time to admit it. It's time to say, you know, I'm really struggling out there. The world will eat you alive. Sapphira is real. She seems so harmful. She's so inviting. You know, you'd rather hang around her than the church people. You'd rather be sitting at a, a bar stool, maybe at Scotty's, having a little social luncheon so that you could be entertained by Sapphira than you do by in the enjoyment 
of coming to the house of God and being in the presence of God with people of the like faith. You'd rather be with your co-workers, your team, your social life, that social aspect of living more than being home with your family, being home with your husband or your wife or your children. We're being swallowed up. We're being lied to. We're being pampered. We're being seduced. And we don't even realize it. And yet, it was so, so important to God that he killed Sapphira and Ananias to make them a public example in the early church of what would happen to people if they'd done like-minded stuff. And guys, this is after the dispensation of grace. This is after the cross. Judgment came upon them. They lied, put on false pretense, pampered themselves, looked to themselves. Everything they'd done was about their image, about who they were, how they were esteemed, how they were liked, and how they fit in how they were accepted, how they were, how they were viewed by other people. Quit worrying about what other people think about you. Start worrying about what God thinks of you here this morning. This morning, I'm gonna ask you that if you're in need of prayer this morning, folks, this series is hard. It is not meant to bring condemnation. It's meant to bring conviction. It's meant to bring examination to our lives where we can all step up to the plate a little bit better than what we've been doing. And saying, Lord, i got to get rid of a portion of safari in my life. I've got to cut her out. i got to start learning what it's like to make commitments. i got to start learning what it's like to have devotion. i got to start making my mind up to have spiritual disciplines. I've got to come to know Jesus Christ. i got to come and build on my relationship with Him. He's got to be the chief cornerstone. He's got to be the foundation of everything that I do. I've got to put away the worldly music and start putting on the spiritual music that feeds my soul. I've got to quit looking at this thing in a social life. I've got to start looking at it in a spiritual light. I've got to come to understand that I've got to become spiritual. I've got to come to know God. That's where I, we need to seek this morning. If there's anybody that needs prayer, I'm going to ask you to come. If not, I'm going to just close out. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit deal with your hearts at home. Father, right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray, God, that the word that has been spoken will be able to penetrate every heart and every spirit and soul in this building. Help everybody that wants to really know you, to really believe in you, to walk out the principles, to have the full benefit of the spiritual, the full power of God, the full God bless, kingdom blessings that help them to kill the sapphire that's in their life. That warm, lockable, acceptable kind of thing that's killing them that they don't even see. Where they're putting more emphasis, God, in the, 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 the physical than they are the spiritual. Oh, God, it's not wrong to have some of the traits that she represents, but it's wrong when those traits have us without us having a cultivated, nurturing uh, relationship with you. And I pray, God, right now that you will convict every one of us and that we, we, brought, we would be brought to a full repentance and a turnaround that where we will kill Sapphira before Sapphira kills us. I ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. God bless you this morning. You're dismissed. Go home. We'll be back tonight for water baptism and preaching. We love you. We appreciate you being here this morning.